This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning. And I did pick that out purposely because I think a lot of times that resembles us. I, I mean, I don't know that you've ever prayed and maybe you have that their brakes go out when they're going down the hill. The flower pot falls off the window sill and hits them dead in the head. I pray that no one shows up for your birthday. I pray your dreams never come true. And so we can laugh at that, and it kind of gives you an insight of where we're going today. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. So honored to have you here. Again, lift your hand. If you need a Bible, we'll turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Then we'll go to Hebrews 12. Again, we're in our wilderness series And I believe part of the wilderness here that we get trapped in a lot of times is in the area of unforgiveness. So the last few weeks, you know, we looked at King David and uh, his his mighty men. They had betrayed him. They had rejected him. They had turned on him. And every one of us in this thing called life, we're going to have people that hurt us and cause us pain. But the worst pain of all is what I call the Judas kiss. When someone you love, someone you've been close to, really hurts you, and it literally stings us. I'm going to throw a little curveball here on you real quick. You know, if a, a hornet was to sting you, you would remove that stinger. Oftentimes when we get hurt, we allow the root of, of bitterness to spring up in us, and it happens when we leave that sting in us. And so none of us are exempt from this, And so let's begin here and let the Word of God teach us. Luke 17, verse 1. Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. One translation says they're they're sure to come. They're bound to come. The message says that hard trials and temptations, they're going to come. And so when we see there the word impossible that offenses should come, The word offense there, it literally means a stumbling block. It's a trigger or a trap or a a snare. And it designates something here that will cause you to sin. And so when we read this here, the Lord Jesus' words, it's impossible that you're going to go through life and never be offended. So the question isn't, am I going to be offended? The question is this, what will I do when offense comes? And if I don't learn to deal with this biblically, man, that, that sting stays within me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. This will uh, be a good one to, to digest, I believe, today. That God wants to help us. Hebrews 12, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees. Brace up. One translation says, reinvigorate. And make straight paths for your feet. Not crooked, but straight paths. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed, rather be, be cured. And so what you begin to see here, that what he's talking about is there is a maturing that will begin to take place within us. That I stay on that straight path. That I follow that path in my life. And that I don't get off of it. Now it's interesting here where the the writer of this goes starting in verse 14. Pursue peace. Seek peace. 
Make every effort to strive. Work at living at peace with all people, not just the people that are good to you. And holiness. And holiness. Well, when you see the word holiness, it means to be separated to God. It means to be different. It means not to look or resemble the world. And holiness is resembled in my conduct and my lifestyle. And he says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Now look how he ends here. Without which no one will see the Lord. The New Living says, those who aren't holy will not see the Lord. One translation says, never. But I'm born again. And sometimes we look at these words here and we say, well, peace isn't that big a deal. Holiness isn't that big a deal. No, it's not that big a deal. It's huge. When I read his words here, it says, I'll never see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking careful, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. The New International Version says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. The Amplified says that no one falls back or fails to secure God's grace. Now, when I look at this, this must be a possibility or he wouldn't mention it like he does. But I believe when you look at if I fail to get the grace of God, without God's grace, I'm not going to walk in peace like I should. And without God's grace, I'm not going to walk in holiness like I should. And so something happens here when I begin to heed the, the word of God. And then he starts off again and he uses that little four-letter word, least, L-E-S-T. In this situation, it's, it's negative. It means in order that no. So listen to what it says. Looking carefully, least anyone falls short of the, of, of the grace of God. In order that no root of bitterness springs up. Now, when you see what he's talking here about the root of bitterness, that's talking about resentment. That's talking about hatred. And and bitterness begins with offense. One little offense, if I don't deal with it in a godly way, that root of bitterness will begin to take place. And and look what he says will take place with bitterness. And it'll spring up. It'll shoot up. It will cause trouble. And by this, by the root of bitterness, many become defiled. Many become contaminated. It corrupts us. Bitterness will literally corrode us like acid. By this, the root of bitterness. So what begins to happen when I allow bitterness to come in like this? It erodes me, my mind, it erodes my emotions, it begins to erode my, my, my physical body. And if I nurse resentment, if I nurse grudges, it's going to lead to things that I really don't want to experience. And I, I become bitter and that bitterness literally becomes part of my heart. It becomes who I am, it becomes my identity. And I don't believe God wants any of us to, to be bound up with the root of bitterness. Now, to go a little farther with this, to help me, turn with the book of, to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew 18. And so what happens with this root of bitterness, if not dealt with, again, it becomes part of my life. The power of that one offense. 
Now, when you begin to see how uh, that offense begins to progress, this, this may define you. The progression of that one offense. So it starts with an offense. Now, listen to the words. Then it goes to resentment. You know what resentment says? I don't like them. And if I don't deal with that, then it goes to another level called retaliation. You know what retaliation says? I'm going to get even. Now again, does any of these words, they they define you right now? After retaliation, it, it, it goes to anger. It goes to wrath. And when it's anger and wrath, it can both be seen and be felt. And after anger and wrath, it literally goes to hatred. You know what hatred is? It's the idea of elimination. And after hatred, it goes to violence, and violence is action of, it's the actual act of, of anger and hatred. It's in action, and ultimately, it will lead to a thing called murder, the very act of murder or premeditated murder in my heart. But you know, I found another definition of premeditated murder. It literally says that I can premeditate murder with my tongue in the area of gossip. You may never think, I'm going to actually kill them, but you may say out of your mouth, it wouldn't bother me if they died today. Woo. So again, when I look at what he's talking about here, none of us are exempt from what happens with offense. But I've, I've got to learn the biblical mandates for this. So we begin in this passage here in Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? The Amplified says, and I let it go up to seven times. Now, Peter's got a little bit of arrogance in him. And Peter right here thinks I'm really going to impress the Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to forgive him like the rabbis do. The rabbis taught that you would forgive him three times. But Peter says, I'm really, really going to outdo them. I'm going to do it seven times. Now look at the Lord Jesus' response in verse 22. And Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus doesn't give a legalistic answer. He doesn't give a mathematical formula. He's not saying, get out a spreadsheet and keep track of them. Jesus' point right here to Peter is this. You're going to have to learn to live with limitless forgiveness. You might as well learn to put on the robe of forgiveness and live with it every day. Now, Jesus not only taught forgiveness, Jesus demonstrated that. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I see what Jesus said to him, I, I would have loved to see Peter's response. It goes from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress Jesus to, is he really serious? I mean, I look at what Jesus said, and you talk about raising the bar. For us to live every day in, a, in an atmosphere of forgiveness, that's what he said. Now, when we start here in verse 23, what I want you to see here is these are the biblical mandates. This is how the kingdom of heaven desires me and you to operate. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This is Father God speaking to me and you. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
Let me help you a little bit with that. One of the best translations I found on this, it was equivalent to 10 million. 10 million. Now, let me ask you something. Any of you got 10 million to spare right now? It's a lot. Keep reading. But he was not able to pay his master. And he commanded that he be sold with his wife, his children, all that he had, that the payment be made. Everything in his life couldn't cover what he owed. His, his greatest possessions, his wife and his children. What this is pointing out is this is how in debt we are to the Lord Jesus. We could never repay what we've done. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him. The message said him, let him off and he erased and he forgave him the debt. Oh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I rejoice that, that my heavenly father's re, uh, forgiven my debt. It's incredible. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. A little bit of a contrast between ten million and twenty dollars. And he laid hands on him. He laid hands. He didn't lay hands on him in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on him. I'm going to hurt you. Lay hands on you. And he took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me what you owe me." Woo. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, Now look, look how the kingdom of heaven, look how Father God looks at his servants that don't forgive like he does. And he said to him, you wicked, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you begged me. You should not also have, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? We freely receive but do we freely forgive? Maybe this should be a prayer this week. Father God, I ask you to grace me that I forgive people the same way you forgive me. Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him, the one who wouldn't forgive, delivered him to the torturers. And when you see the word torturers there, it begins to, it exacts a toll on our bodies, on our minds, and our emotions. And he goes on to say, until he should put all that was due him. And so when I walk in unforgiveness, I'm, I'm thrust from the king's presence. I'm ejected from the king's favor. 
I forfeit intimacy with God. It may be a time in your life where you have the thought, where is God? I I, I search for God. I go to church. I worship. I can't find God. It may be a season in your life where it seems like God never answers my prayers. And this could occur in the atmosphere of unforgiveness. Wow. Verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So when you see this, unforgiveness, it literally closes the channel of communication between God and me. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said that the heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins if you won't forgive others. He will not forgive. And so I I must have a nature of, of God in the area of forgiveness. True love and unforgiveness, it cannot coexist together. True love and forgiveness, they they go hand in hand. And so I highlight a little bit back here on verse 34. When I allow that fence to go into bitterness, it it leaves me in a, a prison of pain. I stumble through life. My dreams are elusive. And so I look at this and I think, how many people aren't walking in their destiny that God has before them because they walk in unforgiveness right now? Or how many people are entrapped in this for their entire life? I'm not forgiving them. I'll never forgive them. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to walk in that. And so I'm going to give you some biblical mandates for, for forgiveness for every one of us. The first one is when I know in my heart I have unforgiveness, I need to go to Father God and repent. Because remember what he said about the, 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 the servant who wouldn't forgive. He called him wicked. And then Father God was angry at him. When I hold on to unforgiveness, man, God does not smile about that. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. It's one of the greatest things that I begin to notice with King David when those men wronged him. Man, I can't find where he walked in unforgiveness toward him. John 20 Verse 23. Now this is the second one. I'm going to read this verse and then I'll explain the second biblical mandate. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The message says if you don't forgive, then what are you going to do with it? So when I look at what what Jesus says here in the book of John... When I hang on to that unforgiveness, remember, it's like a sting in my heart. But I leave that stinger in here. And so the second area is I must release the offender from my judgment and my revenge. And again, I'm not saying what they did to you wasn't real, wasn't hurtful. You can go back and look at King David in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that what those guys did to him was real. It caused hurt and pain. 
But he had a choice is what Jesus said here in verse 23. You're either a retainer or you're a remitter. The word remit here means you choose to pass over what they did. Very similar to what the Lord Jesus said on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they did. He didn't deny they did something. And so right here, I'm going to fall into one of these categories. I'm either going to be a remitter or I'm going to be a retainer. I am charged by God in the book of Romans to not, not, vengeance is not mine. I'm not to take vengeance. I'm to give that to God. So I release the offender from my judgment and from my vengeance. Now let me give you a little insight. When you release them from your vengeance, your vengeance, God doesn't need you to assist him or help him in that progress. Sometimes we have the thought, we really need to help God. God, did you really see what they did? I'm reminded of a story here real quick. I'm kind of glancing in here. I don't know that this woman's in here or not, but a couple of years back, I, I, got, I got word that this happened. This was the lady in our church. And she had a brother that was stabbed to death by a man. So they go to court and they go through the, 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 the process and they convict him of, of murder, that he did it, he's guilty. So after they pass the sentence, the judge asks, is there any family members that want to say anything to this guy who had killed her brother? And just for a second, I want you to stop and think, okay? Let, let me put myself in the story. How would I handle it? What would I do? This is what I've done with King David. When, when those men were brutal to him, and what would I do? What would I actually be my behaviors? And, and so the story is revealed to me that her siblings start talking stuff. And one of the first one looks at the guy and says, I pray you rot in jail. One of them said, I pray you burn in hell. And it came time for the lady in the church and she looked at him and said, I want you to know I forgive you of what you did. And she said, I pray you find the Lord Jesus when you're in prison. And when I, said, I heard that story, I thought, who, Father God? Man, that's incredible. That's incredible. What would I actually do with the root of unforgiveness, with bitterness in me? Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to give you the third biblical mandate that we really, really got to get a hold of. And as you turn to the book of Matthew 5, this is what we call the Beatitudes or the Beatitudes. And every time I get into to, to Matthew 5, 6 and part of chapter 7, I begin to see the heart of the Lord. That God doesn't tell us these things to punish us. He tells us to bless us. Now, this, this is pretty heavy doses on the area of offense. Begin with me in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, I've heard that. Verse 44. But the Lord Jesus says, love your enemies. 
Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. But I don't feel like doing that. Well, that's the issue. We're not called to go by how we feel. We're called to go by what the word of God says. And so when I read this, I look and again, I said, Lord Jesus, you talking about setting the bar high. This, this is incredible. And, and when I read this, I look and I think, Lord, you, you've got to grace me to, to literally walk this out. That I, I, truly, I, I truly bless those who curse me and I do good to those who hate me. And I pray for ones who spitefully use me and persecute me. And you know what I see Jesus saying? He looks at you and he nods precisely. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. That that you imitate our heavenly father. The God who makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Let me help you a little bit with that. Just as God indiscriminately rains on the just and the evil, me and you are to indiscriminately give forgiveness toward other people. Ow. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Are you expecting a bonus? Do not even the tax collectors, the scum of the earth, do not even do the same? For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Are you expecting a bonus? Are you expecting a medal? If you greet your brethren only, what do more than others do? Do not even the tax collectors do that. So now he's beginning to say, you live at a different level. And then in verse 48, he says, therefore, you shall be perfect. The word perfect here means complete maturity of godliness, mind and character, virtue and integrity. And so literally the message sums it up when he says be perfect. You know what the message says? Grow up. Grow up. And I look at this and I think, is this one of the areas that Jesus is desiring me to grow up? Is it one of the areas to be mature? Now look how he ends verse 48. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. One of the areas of perfect here, I believe, is just as your Father is perfect in forgiveness, you also be perfect in forgiveness. But I don't feel like it. I don't want to do that. Again, when I look what he begins to say... He, he begins to, to move the bar. And so the third biblical mandate is I must bless my offender. And I will tell you this. This issue won't be resolved in your life until you start doing that. Not easy. Not easy at all. To literally walk this out. This is a couple of years back. But for uh, almost 25 years of my life, I, I refereed football and basketball. And what you find out when you referee sporting events, you, you find out people's really character. It's just incredible. 
I mean, when they tell you, you they wish you suffocated in the incubator before you were born. And so they always have great comments for you and everything. That's why I'm not reffing anymore. So I go to a basketball game. The guy, and I'm going as a spectator, and the guy who's reffing is a lot younger than me. Actually, I had ref games with him over and over and over, and so I would walk him through stuff. Well, the game I'm watching, I'm right on the side of the court, and I, I mean, this, this is a girls' basketball game, and I'm, we're, we're close to WWF wrestling. I mean, he is losing control. There's pulling of hair. There's st- I mean, it's crazy going on. And so there's a timeout, and this young ref, he gets real close to me, and I'm sitting right there, and I know his name. And I'm, well, I don't do it where anybody hears but me and him. And I went, psst. And he looks at me, and I said, dude, you got to blow your whistle. You're on the verge of a riot tear. Just blow your whistle. And so he just kind of looks at me. Well, a few minutes pass. And he's standing by me again, and it hadn't got any worse. And I'm, I'm trying to help him out. And I said, blow your whistle. And he turns around, and he blows his whistle, and he points at me and goes, you're out. He kicks me out of the gym. And I looked at him, and I said, what, what did you say? And he said, you're out. He brings security to escort me out of the gym. And so it was a real humbling experience that here I am, Pastor Sormis one, being ejected out of the gym. And I know people are saying, God, I wonder what that pastor cussed at him said. Why well, didn't cuss? Eh? And so I just kind of looked at him. Well, I'm on my way up these steps and people are laughing. They're really just enjoying it. And the further I go, the more I can begin to sense a boiling in me of almost anger. I I was so irritated. So I go outside for the rest of the game and and guess what's happening? My little mind is rewinding. Paybacks are, they're rough. So he comes strolling out after the game and he's got a couple police officers with him and he strolls by me. Now you got to realize the man of faith and power that I am, okay? And so I looked at him and I said, hey, I know where you live. I know where you work. And if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get even with you, you little knucklehead. I I was so mad. Pastor, you said that every bit of that. I got a flesh, guys. That was a Saturday night. I get up on Sunday morning and I go to church. Woo, I'm worshiping God. I know how to speak in Christianese. Bless you, bless you. Life is so good. And the Lord starts dealing with my heart. And when the Lord starts dealing with my heart, he doesn't deal just a little bit. He starts going at me and saying, this is what's in your heart. You're you're entertaining stuff. You're doing this. And I surrendered. I said, okay, Lord, what do I do? And I got my heart. I needed to go to that guy and apologize. So I strolled to where he works, and he's in there working. And I strolled through the doors, and he sees me. And this isn't biblically, this is in the Greek. He peed himself when he saw me. He looked his eyes, sorry if that offends you. His eyes get huge, and I look at him and said, hey, 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 wait, wait. I'm not here to hurt you. And he knew I could have. I'd have whipped, no, so again, we won't go there. 
I'm going to sling you. I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. And I said, dude, I'm not here to do that. I said, I want to apologize to you. I'm sorry for what I did. And I said, there was no way to me to say any of that stuff. And da, 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 da. I found out in my life, I can repent to God. I can say out of my mouth, I release them. But until I get to a place in my life where I can truly pray for people that have hurt me, where I can truly pray, Lord, bless them. I'll never walk in that forgiveness. I'll never walk. That stuff will stay attached to me. That stinger will stay right here. Now, to walk out the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 44, with what he said, I'm going to be real transparent here what I've had to do. When I've come in here before and the Lord has dealt with me to pray for him, I will come right here and I'll begin to start walking and I'll say this out of my mouth. Father God, bless him. Bless him. I can hardly open my mouth. It, mm. I'm just being transparent. You guys, it's you. I look and say, man, everything within me, Father, I don't want to, but my prayer is, Lord, send Brutus to whack him at the knees. Get him. And then I start praying this. I begin to walk this out. And I said, Lord, I, I ask you to bless him. I pray for him. And what I begin to find out, the more I release that from my heart and I actually come to a place in my life where I say, Father God, bless them with everything I'm asking you to do for me. Bless them. And when I get to that place, something begins to change in my heart. Now, understand when we talk about the, the, the root of bitterness or the offense, God doesn't say you got to go on vacation with them, okay? God said, doesn't say you, you take them to the fair and buy them a big old turkey leg. <laughs> no, it's something that takes place in my heart. Where that sting is gone. Where when I hear their name, I don't start foaming at the mouth. See, this is where God wants to get us to. And so when I, I look at these scriptures and stuff, I must pardon my offender in order for me to walk in the destiny that God has me. And if you think you have to earn God's forgiveness, you'll try to make people who have offended you earn it. And if you have a hard time giving forgiveness, you have a hard time probably receiving forgiveness. But something happens when I come before God and say, Lord, grace me today. Grace me today with your identity. Grace me today with your DNA. Grace me today, Father God, to forgive people like you forgive me. And when I begin to do that, it shifts me. It moves me incredible ways. So I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet here. Understand this, God knows our hearts. So I just ask you to bow your head right there where you're at right now. And I ask you to open up the filing cabinet of your heart to Father God. And you may know right now that there's, there's unforgiveness. And there, you, you may have bitterness in you. You, you, you may have thoughts of, of, of hatred and anger. And I just sense this today again, the Lord's saying, come on, give that up. Give it up today. 
I've, I've got plans for you. I've got pursuits for you. I jumped this, but I, I, I think I, I need to highlight this. That in John 20, verse 23, he said that if you retain it, they're retained. But if you forgive them, they're forgiven. That verse was cross-referenced to, to Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18, which both of those verses say that, that Jesus gives us the keys of the kingdom. And he said, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what I saw, and I've never seen this in my life until this week. When I choose to retain the unforgiveness or the offense that's come against me, I can loose all day long. I can bind all day long, but it's not going to do you no good. And until I get to a place where I say, okay, Father God. And so some of you that have prayed in the name of Jesus, and you stood in the name of Jesus, you stood in the name of Jesus. Man, you better take inventory of your heart today. And say, that's me, Father God. That's me. Just with every head bowed right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, go to work today. Go to work within us. If there's any offense or bitterness within us, reveal it right now. And Lord, I pray a touch of heaven that draws us down here just to these altars to say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming today, one, to get right with you, and two, I'm, I'm coming to the altar. And I'm going to turn all that over to you. So as they begin to sing, I, I welcome you, okay? Again, you're not doing this for my good. But I encourage you, and do, do not leave here with that stuff attached. If you got that sting in you today, that stinger's right there. Woo! Just imagine God taking those supernatural. What are those little things? Tweezers. Thank you. I'm going to take those heavenly tweezers and pull that out, okay? He's going to say vice grips. Maybe that is true. Father God, go to work here in us. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.